<sighs> Did you listen to that Kanye West song? No. I don't listen to anything <laughs> anyone ever sends me, dude. I've told you that. Yeah. Believe me, if you would have sent me some Pearl Jam, I wouldn't have listened to it. Yeah, but when have I ever sent you Pearl Jam? Zero times. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. You, I saw you tweeted on Twitter. You said, been doing a lot of crying, listening to the new Taylor Swift. I'm like, what? All right, I got it. I want to cry. Let me go listen to this Taylor Swift record. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, didn't cry. Wasn't that crazy about it. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's good. It's all good. She's always good. She never puts out any bullshit. But here's the thing. I don't care. I don't care what she has to say. And I don't care what's going on in her life. And the songs aren't like on the last record, she had a song called Calm Down, which was an incredible song. And there was another song that was really good on it that I loved. But then there was a bunch of songs that were okay. And this record, I feel like, is just that. It's just a bunch of songs that I'm like, ah. Well, I don't care what anyone has to say. And I don't listen to music because I care about anyone's life, including Bob sure. Dylan or Bruce Springsteen or anyone. Right. What I respond to in music is how it maps what I'm feeling. And I, yeah. you can't even really control that, you know? So Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was listening to it, thinking about you while I was listening to it, and I was like, oh, I can see why Clint would dig this. Well, yeah. I I think it's beautiful, and I think it's really uh, understated and achy and melancholy, and uh, I like the way, I like her melodies. I think that what's cool about her is that she's really not a very good singer in terms of like her level of pop icon. She Her range is really small. And I think when, and I, I identify with that myself as a singer. And I feel like if you're a great songwriter, which I think she is, and what I try to be, is the limitations of what you're able to do vocally force you into creating some decent melodies. And I just think it's pretty brave, brave of her. It's like the songs don't do anything that pop music does. Like they just, these drums will come in and they'll just stay there. They don't ever change. They don't get louder. They don't suck out. <laughs> It's very reverby. It's very Lana Del Rey. I mean, I think I think a lot of what I respond to sonically about the National or Lana Del Rey or Jack Antonoff, which are all people that helped her make this album, it sounds like a Bleachers album at some points, and I love Bleachers. So it's cool to hear her do that. I love all the Jack Antonoff production. Like mm -hmm. those songs are my favorite, but only because the production is so stellar. Like he like he won't use any drums the whole track. They never come in. I'm like, right. oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and. There's something very pleasing about the way they sound. Now, again, I'm all lyrics. I'm 100% lyrics. And so just writing writing how you feel is not going to do it for me. It's just, that's not good enough. How you feel, I don't care. I don't care. If you want to tell me how you feel in, a, in an interesting way, I'm 100% in. But just telling me how you feel in a beautiful, well-constructed way, no. Sorry, there's too much to listen to for me to waste my time listening to it. So unfortunately, that's the way I feel. Now, I will say that I listened to a Kanye West song called Ultralight Beam. Now, that came out in 2016. I missed the boat. I'm not a huge Kanye West fan as a human, even though I, if you watched his interview with David Letterman on Netflix, on the This Person Needs No Introduction or whatever, he's super likable. 
there's something very charismatic and likable about the guy. I, I'm not a fan of a lot of the things he says. Uh, and I agree. I don't know how smart he is, but creatively he's just put out some incredible things. Anyways, he put out this song called ultralight beam. I missed it. I never listened to it. Uh, he performed it on SNL. I think I even watched that performance on SNL and I was like, eh, I don't really care about it. Now this guy, Arthur Jaffe put out or Jaffa, Arthur Jaffa put out a, uh, he, he compiled a bunch of clips of African-Americans or blacks, or whatever that he got off the internet, put them all together. And then he put that Kanye West song behind it, along with a few other songs and I watched an interview with that guy and they showed a bunch of that footage and it was very moving for me. And then I tried to find the the video and it's just not, you can't find it anywhere. It, they only show it in museums. And so you can't, but there's some handheld footage of it that's okay. But then I was like, well, let me just listen to the Kanye West song. But now this is after I'd seen all this footage. And I listened to that song and by the end of it, I was just crying i was sobbing guess how many co-writers there are for this song oh a ton because everybody that touched the song is a co-writer and there's like four or five different verses with different writers 13 13 people yeah yeah wow i'm not saying this song makes me like kanye west or think of him as some great songwriter or anything i just that something about that song is amazing for instance that this is america song by uh childish gambino mm-hmm I thought that was him rapping the whole song. It turns out he doesn't even sing on that song. Yeah, that song's kind of bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit though. That that song in that video, I probably watched that. The I video, that, the video. I for guarantee sure is you, powerful. I watched that video way more than any other video in my adult. Yeah, life. but that's I watched it probably thirty times. That has nothing to do with the song. It does. The song and the video go hand in hand. They're they're one and the same. Now, does that make me like Childish Gambino's records? That last record was truly terrible. Dude, you would not have listened to the song as many times as you watched the video. No way. Oh, I've never listened to the song without watching the video. Well, exactly. Exactly. Right. But I wouldn't watch the video without listening to the song. They, they go hand in hand. I'm saying any song could have been on that video and had some sort of anthemic chorus and the video still would have been hugely a huge cultural hit because of what they do in the video. I'll try to watch it. And play like a Nanny Better song and uh, see if it, it has. But the, the thing impact. you're describing about why why Kanye makes you cry is as mysterious to you as it is to me. Of why Taylor Swift makes me cry, or why anything makes me cry. Well, it's not even that Kanye West makes me cry. There's just a a thing that happens at the end where this choir comes in, and the way it builds at the the way the last minute of the song builds, it just brings out this beauty and awe and it just i mean i'm telling you i've listened to it like four or five times now and every time i listen to it i end up with tears in my eyes at the end it doesn't happen until the very end but it's not because of the lyric because you said you just, it's a lyric thing for you i'm looking at the lyrics here is it this father father this prayers for everyone that feels they're not good enough stuff so what happens is it starts off and it's like interesting musically it's like mm, damn, this is cool this sounds interesting and it's it's kanye at the beginning he's like we're on an ultra light beam we're on an ultra light beam this is a god dream this is a god dream it's like if it if that was the whole song i'd be like who gives a fuck but then 
there's this part in the song where Chance the Rapper comes on and he starts rapping and he's just such a great rapper. And that part's great too. But even then, if it, if the song ended there, I'm like, eh, whatever. But then something starts happening where this choir starts coming in and then this preacher comes in and and does like a, preaches some stuff that starts moving me. I don't know what he's saying in that preacher part, but he says something that starts stirring up some emotions and then this giant choir comes in and all the music drops out and it's just the choir at the very end. And when that happens, just something happens and I just break down and I start crying. Now, it, again, it's not like, oh, I mean, Kanye put this thing together. It's, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of like Madonna. Like, you know, I, I I was never a huge fan of Madonna, but she would come up with these songs that were pretty amazing. And then I'd be, I'd always be like, oh, it's the producer or whatever. But then I'd go listen to the producer's stuff that doesn't have Madonna on it. I wouldn't like it as much as the stuff that Madonna did with that producer. Right. Now, Jack Antonoff is different. Jack Antonoff stuff on his own is better than the stuff he does with Taylor Swift. I, I don't know if it's, I think it's even better than the stuff he does with Lana Del Rey. So that's, that's a different story. Here are the two writers on Madonna's Like a Prayer. Madonna and one other guy, the producer. I think that's right. one of the big differences, you know? There's, there's not as much emphasis on, there's not as much fidelity when it comes to Whose voice are you hearing? Whose perspective are you hearing? Right. But I think if you look at, I guarantee you, if you look at uh, Kanye West's top 20 songs, mm -hmm. you'll find that he's the sole writer on all those songs. Or if he shares writer's credit, it's because he's using a sample and then he has to give those writers credit. So he's writing a lot of, he's putting stu stuff together, but he's putting stuff together in a way, I don't know. I just find it very interesting. Again, some of the stuff he says and some of the things he does just seems bizarre, stupid, or I don't, I don't appreciate it necessarily. Well, and yeah, I would add, I would add irresponsible and harmful too to some of the shit he does. Uh, yeah, for sure. You I know? agree. And how, how good some of his records maybe don't really eclipse that for me. Now, if, imagine how much more interesting he would be if he was just not as present in culture. If he was just this kind of guy that lived in Wyoming or Montana, wherever he lives on some ranch and then every year put out these records and did a tour, but he's just injects himself into the culture in such a way. He's just annoying. He's like a pest. I wish that you could just judge him by his music, but he doesn't, he makes that impossible. You know, if he wasn't like that, maybe his music wouldn't be as interesting if he was, had it more together. You know, the, the people that I like their music the most tend to be kind of the most fucked up people. Yeah. Which is fine. Unless you're hurting people, unless like you're, being completely irresponsible and hurting other people with your with your illness, you know? I mean, how how is Kanye West hurting somebody? Well, I mean, him pretending he's going to run for president is definitely going to impact culture and impact people who might otherwise vote a certain way. That's irresponsible, and that hurts people. Him going on Saturday Night Live because he's having a bipolar order disorder or, or flare-up and wearing a MAGA hat is hurts people. And then John Legend, who understands what I'm saying, sent him a text. It was like, man, you wearing that hat is extremely painful for a lot of people. And you just really need to be careful with what you're doing because right. of the people who look to you, who don't have anything else. Sure. 
And his response to that was he took the, the private text that John Legend sent him and he tweeted them right. and said, John Legend doesn't get it. It's like, no, dude, John Legend does get it. You don't get it, bro. In Kanye's defense, and again, I don't think him wearing that MAGA hat was a great idea, but his idea was like, like when Richard Pryor started using the N-word in his stand-up comedy, his thing was like, I'm taking this word back and I'm going to take some of the sting out of it by using it. That was the idea that Kanye had. Is like, I'm going to wear this hat. I'm going to appropriate this hat. And hopefully that will take some of the racist sort of fucked up vibe out of it. But that didn't happen because it just didn't happen. Well, I, I just don't think so. I think he's liked Trump. He supports Trump. And and he also, he said crazy shit. He said that slavery was 400 years of choice. I mean, he just said a lot of really amazingly stupid and painful things. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have freedom of expression. I'm not ju- I'm not saying he should go to jail. I'm just judging him by what he said. And, yeah. when, and when you have a platform that big and you're that insane and that irresponsible, especially with the kids who look up to him, I just, you lose my respect. That's all. I don't yeah. care how good through a wire is or whatever the fuck. There's a lot. It's like what you said earlier, dude. You were like, hey, man, if you just want to tell me what your feelings are, that's fine. But there's too much to listen to. And that's how I feel about him. There's too much good hip hop out there. There's too much good music. Same with Louis C.K. Too much good comedy. For me to die on a hill for that fuck. He likes to jerk off in front of people, that, which is fine. But I got other shit to listen to. I'm not hurting for material. I'm always going to listen to whatever Louis C.K. puts out. And I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I haven't listened to anything that Kanye's put out for six years. I wonder what Louis' next move is. Cause he put all that special, but I don't think that special was, did very well for him. I don't know how it did. It wasn't his best special, but again, I, I don't think it was done. I think he put it out because, because of the pandemic and he knew it wasn't going to be able to he didn't know if it was going to be a year before he was doing stand-up again. So I understand why he put it out early. And then he put out something recently where he's having a conversation with some French comedian, but I'm like, mm. I'm not buying that. I feel like a lot of people like him or like Ryan Adams who've sort of been canceled. The pandemic's perfect for them because they no one can tour and everyone's thinking about other shit. And so maybe like when it's time for people to tour again, they can just slippity slide right back in there, you know? Because people, it's the pandemic sort of, it, it covered over a lot of well, sins again, in a way. Ryan, Ryan Adams, that guy got railroaded. No, but I'm just saying, let's, let's, t- let's take our judgments about whether or not he should have been canceled. He was canceled. I'm just curious about what someone like him and Louis' like next steps would be in a canceled world. And I think the pandemic is good for just- him took two years off in the States and then started touring again. And did he do a tour? But his tour got canceled. I mean, he didn't tour. No, he didn't tour for two years and then he started touring. I I, I know because I get an email from him and he started booking dates. And uh, But that was right before the pandemic. Right. So I, I'm just curious if he would have sold the tickets. Oh, for sure. Like, no doubt. This says Louis C.K.'s No Apology Tour is a bizarre comeback attempt. Was he calling it the No Apology Tour? I don't know. Wow. Anyways, he you know, he was obviously not going to play Austin, but he was, you know, if you look at the places where he was playing, it was pretty, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the most woke cities in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So back on tour, landing for the first time in some pretty far flung locales, two shows in Richmond, Raleigh. The dates are the first official foray of a comeback that CK began in comedy club nine months ago. 
Yeah, he so he did book a whole tour, but I guess like, yeah, did he? But he, I didn't follow his thing, obviously. Well, that's where he filmed the special that he put out. I know he filmed the special, but I just thought that was early in the tour. The tour. I did go back and watch the Bad Boys movies. Not great. No. Pretty fun. The first one's the best one, obviously. The third one's pretty fun. The second one, I had to quit watching. I had to turn it off. Well, Will Smith is a superstar, and he's super he's watchable. Great. He's like one of those guys that no matter, even if it's a bad movie, there's something about him that's so watchable that it makes it okay. Some weird stuff going on with him and his wife, though. Have you been following any of this stuff? Fuck no, dude. <laughs> Hell no. Good God. Dude, the few times that I've come across Will Smith on Instagram, I'm like, bye-bye. What's his Instagram like? I don't know. He's just always saying some shit. I'm like, here's the thing. If you're being, actually, that's not true. If you're being funny, like if you're trying to make a joke, I'm all in. But anybody that's earnest, that's saying something earnest, I'm like, bye-bye. I just don't care. I just don't care anymore. Like either make me laugh or or don't say anything either try to dude i was listening to sam harris's interview with this uh dude i was like oh this sounds like a great interview that dude is ultra boring that he needs to change the name of from waking up to god damn it i'm the most boring motherfucker in the world are you talking about sam or his guest i'm talking about sam harris and i'm talking about sam use a g at the end of the ing words Every once in a while, just every once in a while, when you say running, say running. Don't say running, because he never uses the G. He's no trying to what. save that time. He's trying to save time. Yeah, I I picked up my guitar and I was strumming it. No, strumming it, <laughs> Sam. You were strumming it, not strumming it. I had no idea that was so upsetting to you, dude. I'm telling you, man. It's the little things that really upset me. Not the big things. It's the little things. It's the but it doesn't even thing. it doesn't even upset me. It's just it's kind of funny now at this point, like when he doesn't say the G. If he said the G, I'd be like, What? One of the things that people criticize it's not necessarily criticism, but one of the things people have noticed over years of podcasting is that he never laughs. Dude, the dude is boring but you know like lack of laughter is a pretty alarming sign that there's some sociopathic dude not using the g's at the end of those ing words is a huge red flag like it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if that guy was just like full like it'll come out in the news as like full-on heroin addict and has been for five years it wouldn't shock me at all right because yeah he started getting into it because he had some jujitsu injuries and he was on Oxycontin and that turned into full on, full blown heroin addiction. He's crawling on his hands and knees in some alleys in Los Angeles. Well, it's always the guys who are trying to tell you. Anytime somebody's telling me something, I the one thing I've learned in life is if somebody's telling me something, it's the thing they need to learn. So everything that he's saying is something he needs to learn. And the stuff that you know, you don't talk about. Because it's already, why even bring yeah, it up? Yeah, but he's he's having conversations because of his audience. He's trying to help his audience learn things. He's well, not just speaking into a void. He's, he's it's one of the most popular podcasts in the world. He's a huge audience. He needs to be funnier. I think he's actually pretty funny, but he never laughs. He never laughs at his own jokes. He never laughs when other people make a joke. He'll kind of smirk and say, right. Let me hear you do your Sam Harris 
uh, impression. Okay, a little bit of housekeeping here. Dude, first of all, when you say housekeeping, you got to say it like this. Okay. Housekeeping. First, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, but does he do the meditation app? Is it his voice? Yeah. You do an, you impersonate him, and you listen to his voice more than me if you're rocking that app. Okay. Close your eyes. Picture your visual field inside your eyes. And be aware of your breath. Don't try to come at your breathing. Just be aware of it. And then open your eyes. Be looking at something. Wow. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to think of ING words. Dude, I can't think quick. I'm gonna think like that. You've been doing it for five months. That's all you got. Anyways. You're a, you're a TV. It's, dude, it's pretty good though. No, he doesn't do the TV thing. I, I came up with that myself. I find I find his voice soothing. Uh, you know It's pretty it's pretty soothing, but it's also it's fine for the meditation, but the interviews are rough because it just there's just opportunities where he could be funny. And he's he doesn't take them, and his guests are kind of boring too. He does strike me as a very serious individual for sure. But that's what he that's what he does with his life, dude. He's he lived in a cave for years. He's he's a he's an intense philosophical scientist minded nerd. Dude, this is all I know. This is all I know. The people that are serious and earnest are the most successful. Nobody's more earnest than Garth Brooks. Nobody, and I don't care who you're talking about. But nobody is more earnest than Garth Brooks. <laughs> and he sold more records than anybody. Yeah, yeah, he's intense. So that's all you got to do is John just... Lennon wasn't very earnest. He had, a, he had a dry wit. Guess who sold more records than John Lennon? I don't think that's true. Garth Brooks. He's up there. Well, you got to... Here's the thing. You got to times it by... You got to divide it by four because there's four, <laughs> four Beatles. I think Garth Brooks is pretty funny too, though. He's only funny because he's just funny, but not because he's trying to be funny. Let me tell you something, man. I was playing the Grand Ole Opry, big a big country thing in that. Actually, actually big anywhere. And uh, the way they do that is like you. We were playing three songs. There were like four other artists. There's always a group of other artists that are playing. One time we played, and Kiefer Kiefer Sutherland's country band was playing. So you're in the green room. There's like a whole uh, stack of green rooms and there's people everywhere and you're running into people. Well, one night that uh, we were playing, the headliner, the big shit was Trisha Yearwood, which is Garth Brooks's wife. And it was her like 20th anniversary of being inducted into the the Opry. So it was pretty cool. We got to play our little thing and uh, and we were just sort of hanging around and, and Trisha's whole team was there. They made like a cake for her. And then we got the word that Garth was in the house. And no one knew if he was going to show up and like do a song with her. What about what about Garth's hair? Oh yeah, I forgot. Doesn't have any. Keep. Well, he was wearing a big old ten gallon cowboy hat. Dude, bro. he never doesn't wear it. He always has something on his head, and he ain't he ain't a construction worker. Go ahead. So Trisha played like her first two songs. We're all watching from the, everyone who played the Opry that night was watching from the side, right? And we all got the word that that Garth's in the building, and he came out. And, he, you know, he's a huge star, dude. He's like one of the biggest names in all of country music. He came out, insane applause, standing ovation. And he did a couple of duets with Trisha and he was on the mic. And like, it was pretty cool to see, dude, because first of all, he was great. He sang beautifully. He played great. He was he was funny, but he never stole the show from the from his wife. He made it about her. Right. 
he supported her. They started singing this one duet and he messed it up and he started again. He was charming. It was pretty cool. It was like, it was a little bit of like, yeah, that's why he's Garth Brooks. It wasn't like an accident for him, you know? Dude, I watched that, I watched that two part documentary on him and I was laughing the whole time. And at the end of it, I was just like, I love this guy. He's super likable. Do they go into the Chris Gaines era? Do they talk about that? Yeah, they do. What does he have to say about that That weird shit? This is their fucking dude. It is the... Dude, they fucking sugarcoat the everything. Oh, um, yeah. I bet. So the, the story that they laid on me, because I don't know anything, mm-hmm. was they were making a movie, a Chris Gaines movie. And then what they decided was they were going to put the soundtrack out first and get like people all excited about it. And then... When the movie came out, everybody'd want to go see the movie because everybody'd be into the soundtrack. But then they yeah, didn't right. make the movie, which was such bullshit. Wow. Oh my god, dude, dude, you got to watch that documentary. It is so funny. I will say the the Saturday Night Live episode that he hosted, where the so Garth Brooks is the host, uh-huh. musical guest, right? Chris Gaines. Oh my god. It's a pretty funny episode, dude. I don't remember the music part, but he's pretty good in it. There's that great skit where he's with Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell's the devil, and he's trying to write a hit song, and the devil's like, Oh, for your everlasting soul, I'll help you write a song. He's like, Okay, and they make the hand, you know, the deal and lightning strikes. And then all the songs that the devil plays are really shitty. They're like the songs that he sold his soul for, Garth did. Uh but the songs that the devil's trying to give him are just like (laughs) The shittiest songs ever, dude. <laughs> That's pretty good. I am Lucifer. <laughs> and I have heard your request. And it shall be granted. Do you, Milo Jenkins, truly wish to render your soul unto me in exchange for the success you crave? Oh, yes, sir, I do. I mean, if I could have one hit song, I know it'd solve everything for me. It shall be done. Now then, forsaken soul, open thine ears and slake thy thirst on the music that can force kings to their knees and oceans to boil. Behold the song that'll take you to the top of the charts. All right. There's a guy named Fred and he's got a pair of slacks. Ooh, Fred's got slacks. Really quite sharp, but they're a little tight in the waist. Ooh, Fred's got slacks on the boulevard. <laughs> Hold on a second. I think it's out of tune. Man, I mean, I don't want to miff you, but I, that sucked. I said the guitar was out of tune. Sorry. It wasn't my fault. Okay, okay. Fred slacks is a winner. But fine. Here we go. I'll give you another one. Okay. Behold! A fiendish masterpiece from the bowels of hell! Yeah. Mondays, boy, I hate Mondays. They make me be so steamed. Weekends! I go for the weekends! Ha, 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 ha. Son of a bitch! <laughs> is it human in here? Because the guitar keeps getting out of tune! Man, what, what, what kind of guitar is that, man? It's a hell-spun mixture of the bones of fornicators and the sinew of thieves and gluttons. <laughs> it's a, it's a fender. Oh. 
Cigar, I know, and he's got a pair of slacks. Ooh, Fred's got slacks on the boulevard. He's like, what? <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay, here we're going to have to kick it to the Secret Weekly. And there's something I want to talk to you about in the Secret Weekly. And that is, I tweeted about this new thing going around about how men are just the worst. You saw this tweet I wrote? You you tweet, you text me, you're like, oh, you're in trouble for that. Because I... I want to talk about that in the Secret Weekly. There's no discussion. There's no Twitter is not about having a discussion about something. It's not about, hey, here's an idea. Let's find out what everybody thinks about this and have a have a discussion about it. No, everybody's just like, you're wrong. I'm right. You're fucked up. How can you say that? What? It's there's no civil discord going on in Twitter. So when you say what you said, which was like you know, basically, like saying, "Oh, by hey, the way, let's talk about it in the secret." By the way, the sky's let's talk about it in the secret week. We will. By the way, the sky's blue and uh, grass is green, and uh, we all know that uh, fire hydrants are red. But sometimes they're sometimes they're uh, gold now. You may have seen some gold ones, but there are mostly they're red, or they used to be red, but now some are gold. Okay, is there anything anything wrong with that? And then you get a barrage of people going, "Fuck you." For saying that. Anyways, yeah, let's talk about it in the Secret Weekly. All right, we'll see you guys later. Bye. Peace. (laughs)